Welcome to Relate Your Research, the online podcast featuring social work researchers. I'm Jessica Renarsson and learning should be relatable. Welcome to Relate Your Research, the social work podcast aimed at social work researchers as they share their journey, their learnings and their research with us in a platform that is accessible and relatable. Today we have Abigail Ornelas from Stellenbosch University. Um, she's a postdoctoral fellow and I'll put a link in the description below because we actually interviewed her recently hearing her research story and some of her journey in how she became a researcher in the social work field. Welcome back, Abby. Thanks. We are going to be diving into your research, your doctoral research today, looking at the theme of unseen neoliberal implications on social work, the voices of South African frontline social workers. And I'm really encouraged to hear all about this. Um, as I was sharing with you, there were many words I needed to look up in preparation for this podcast, but also really exciting to see something that's very close to an, the NGO world and coming from the NGO space. I was really encouraged to see that research was being written on this. So thank you. Yeah. So to start off, yeah. it's always helpful um, at the beginning of a topic just to unpack for the listeners um, some of the terms in your research and in your goal. Um, and so maybe you could unpack for us the idea of neoliberal implications, um, what this means for social workers. Okay. So so neoliberalism is a, an economic theory and it's uh, it's become a bit of a hot topic globally, but basically what it means is it's, I mean, there's a lot of different definitions and it's, some people think it's a branch of various approaches to economic policy or social policy. Others think it's very specific. So I won't get into that, but the basic premise is that neoliberalism encourages individualism it encourages self-reliance it encourages economic efficiency it encourages business knowledge in all spheres so including the social work sphere so that's what's the most important thing is to understand about neoliberalism and so this this starts to impact the way that policy works the way things are funded the introduction of contracts the expectation of accountability, of monitoring and evaluation, those, the expectation of self-reliance, the idea that grants create dependency, those are all narratives that are linked to this neoliberal model. And neoliberalism has been infiltrating South Africa and South African policy quite slowly from as early as 1993. But it's particularly interesting in the, social, in the South African context because South Africa is very much developmental in its approach, and we very much have a welfare state in some instances, which promotes ideals like collectivism, which promotes social security and protection as a right. And then we have neoliberalism, on the other hand, which then says that individuals must be self-sufficient. They must look after themselves, that it is not the responsibility of the state to look after individuals, and that business principles are the kind of be all and end all, the golden key for addressing all problems, including social problems. And so this has created a little bit of a, a standoff in South Africa, um, and it's made social work in particular as a profession quite confused about what its role is. Because on the one hand, we have policy telling us that social work 
in South Africa is developmental, which is human rights based. It's it's we must address structural causes of inequality. And then on the other hand, we have this increasing business agenda, which is coming into social work, particularly in the NGO sphere, that is saying, look, it's no longer about quality, it's about quantity, it's about ticking boxes, it's about norms and standards, um, it's about how many, how many service users did you see this month, um, and how cost-effective was it, why did you choose to spend X amount of money, for example, on petrol, when you could have spent less on a telephone call. It's become things like that, which has made social work and social workers very confused as to how they can actually do their job. I don't know if that if that helps un- unpack that concept a little. Definitely. And um, coming from an NGO space, I think I can relate to all of those things of being very stats driven or all of a sudden the beneficiary numbers almost matter more than the actual intervention in many Mm. cases because donors matter and reports matter and um, who are we reporting to ultimately and it's it's a tough Mm. one actually because although the neoliberalism movement is something as you say it's a very global um, discussion it's affecting Mm. people on the ground every day Um, I heard recently someone say um, a policy without finance is a wish list. And I quite like that idea of just like if we're not actually able to support and fund what we're needing to do, what are we doing really? So Yeah, yeah. but it is, it's also interesting that you raise that because for me that, that shows just how much the neoliberal narrative has kind of infiltrated everything that we do because what it has done is it's made – finance and economics, the center um, and the central thing. Um, And so it's no longer about relationship or process um, and particularly in social work, social work. And when you're working with individuals, there's no one size fits all. There's, you know, there's no standard approach that you can use. It's complex and it requires often for social workers to, to be spontaneous in their, in the way that they address challenges that people are facing and um and neoliberalism makes everything about the economy and and it makes and which is why business is so central it says if things are cost effective if the economy grows that will then fix everything it's this sort of trickle down method you know or, or approach where if um the rich become richer eventually this will trickle down to the poor that's the kind of main premise of it um and so how that translates to social work is that rather than giving grants you should encourage individuals to become self-sufficient and support themselves because that in that way they are feeding into the economy and eventually this will trickle down and have an effect on everyone but as we can see in south africa and globally that's not the case what is happening is that inequality is just worsening um, and individuals are becoming very much isolated um, and particularly in South Africa, collectivism has been part of our, our culture for a long time and collective approaches and, and this neoliberal individualism um, is, is isolating us. Well, and in many ways goes against the fabric of the way culture has worked for a very long time in South Africa, specifically. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and and globally, this is being challenged by social work. So, for example, the revised definition, um, the international definition of social work, 
did start to tackle this and they started to to introduce the fact that social work needs to be more macro and needs to be have collective responses um, and not just focus on on micro and casework responses because in this day and age it's not hitting the mark it's not doing what we need to do so globally the profession is challenging this but what was interesting for me was that even though it's been challenged globally and it's been spoken about in social work academia when it comes to the day-to-day lives of frontline social workers and how this is affecting them in a way that's often unseen I found that, that there was a very much a lack of research in that area. And, and it was all these kind of big academic, um, lofty explanations and terms. Of, but, but what did this mean for, this, for the social worker working in an NGO? What does this mean for them on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. What was the aim of your project? So the overall aim of the project was to invite the voices of frontline social workers to join this academic debate. That was the primary aim, to offer on-the-ground insight. So how this worked was that I took what was being said in in academia and I I summarized it into these what I call tenants, which is basically just the the impacts of neoliberalism, the um, arms, if you want to call it all the tentacles of neoliberalism. And I I summarized these and said, okay, this is what academia is saying. And then I took these to frontline social workers and I said, is this the case? What is your experience of this? Um, How does, is this, what is what academia is saying valid? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Because I wanted to merge the two. I wanted this, this neoliberal debate to have input from people on the ground who are actually doing the work. So that was the primary aim of the paper. Yeah, great. Can you share with us some of the research findings, um, like spurred to ask this question all of a sudden? Because I feel like um, as I'm hearing the goal, I'm like, oh, yeah, the aim. I'm like, yes. I feel I feel heard. Someone should hear this. So, what did you what did you discover? Any interesting conclusions that you you came to? Mm. So, I'll, I'll quickly tell you what the these four tenants or four themes were that I then then took to social workers on the ground. Um, so, these are going to sound like quite high and lofty words, um, but I will unpack them and explain them. So, the first theme was in in literature was this idea of marketization, which basically means that there was a growing expectation for NGOs and social work services to rely less on government support and funding and to function more as private operations or as private businesses, to be more self-sufficient financially. So that was the one theme. The second theme was called consumerization. And this was what I was touching on earlier, which is where this dominant narrative about self-reliance, self-responsibility, basically where the service user becomes a consumer that is then purchasing services um, as opposed to someone who has been supported by social work. They they have then become consumers. And so, again, you see it becomes about finance and economics. Um, And it's not only the term that changes, but also the way we're relating to them. 100%, yes. Yeah. And then the third, and I think I found that this was the the biggest um, or most prominent theme for frontline social workers is this idea of managerialization or management, um, 
where social workers are expected to use efficiency, cost-effectiveness as their yardsticks for measuring success or for measuring intervention. And there's this preoccupation with procedures, with norms and with standards as opposed to quality and process. And then the fourth um, tenant or fourth theme was deprofessionalization in the sense that professional autonomy, professional discretion is being reduced and that social workers are essentially being de-skilled to just tick boxes um, as opposed to their, their skill and the ability to be spontaneous and the ability to, to use their discretion, that that is being reduced and in a sense their identity has been diminished. So those were the four, four themes and this is what academia was saying is happening. They were saying this is the result of neoliberalism and this is what social work as a profession is experiencing. So I took these themes to frontline social workers. Um, I went to, I, did, I used a case study method. So I went to five different NGOs, but predominantly in the Western Cape, although this did stretch across to, to Durban and Johannesburg. Um, and I picked five NGOs that I felt kind of gave a good sample of where the areas that the profession is working in. So I, I picked a child protection NGO, a faith-based and family-oriented NGO, an NGO that focused more on rehabilitation work, an NGO that was particularly focused on social development, and then another NGO that was more human rights and, um, and activism-oriented. Uh, I interviewed in total about 24, 25 frontline social workers and managers as well, who were also social workers, but they were in a more managerial or supervisory role. Um, so to touch on some of the findings, I mean, the, it was it was quite quite extensive, and um, so I won't I won't go into that in too much detail. But I can highlight what were the the most surprising findings for me, I guess. So for the first theme, in terms of NGOs being expected to rely less on government, some of the narrative from social workers was their real frustration with the fact that they a lot of their job was now being taken up by trying to access funding. So social workers were saying things like, um, we should have the money to do our jobs, and I'm not a marketer, that's not my, my job, that's not what I've been trained to do, but that's now what I've been expected to do. That there's just too much red tape in terms of what they have to report on as opposed to being able to actually do the work. Majority of their time is taken up reporting on cost efficiency. And another social worker said, which I, I, it really struck a chord in me, said most of the work that we do goes into the process, but they don't measure the process, they measure the statistics. And another social worker said, I sometimes feel that we shoot with a shotgun and whomever we hit, great stuff, and the other ones just fall out of the bus. So, so this was what I found is essentially then they agreed with what the literature was saying. They agreed that this is what social workers and NGOs are being expected to do, they expect being expected to procure their own funding, uh, that they are struggling financially. This has obviously been something that's been going on in the NGO field for a long time, but it really was highlighted for me. Social workers, NGOs are, are struggling. They are really struggling to do the work that they want to do. Funding takes up large portions of their time. And particularly the, the TPA was raised, the terms of payment agreement between NGOs and the state, where the state does then give NGOs some funding, but it comes with this contract, 
which requires certain statistics, which requires certain delivery. And, and here again, they said the statistics would be measured, not the process. And it really was hindering their ability to do their work. Yeah, so I just, I just want to read a short excerpt, if I may, that is just that I wrote um, initially just as a note for myself after one of my interviews when I was feeling really moved. Um, and then I, I actually included it in the thesis because I felt that sometimes these, our research can be very academic and I wanted to bring back the real and the people. Um, and I wrote here that this deep financial struggle of NGOs was a wound laid bare in each conversation. The phrase, but the funding, interrupted near all ideas and reflections. The issue of finance appeared to hang over their heads like a solid mist, infiltrating every aspect of care and service delivery. It was as if, at times, participants presented themselves as soldiers to be shipped off to war with little to no artillery. And that's how it felt when I was interviewing social workers. Sure. Yeah, you can feel the weight behind it, you know, and mm. um, what this actually means. And that actually brings me to my next question. What does this mean for social workers today, but also social workers for the future, if this comment of but funding is so real? It's very challenging because on the one hand, I mean, I asked social workers this question, and on the one hand, they were saying, well, maybe NGOs do need to move over to the to the private business space and get funding privately. Um, and maybe this will give them more freedom. But at the same time, then that raises the question as to the role of the state and, um, and whether social work then should be separating itself like that. So it's quite challenging. I think that there needs to be more lobbying and more activism from social workers on the ground saying to, to the department, to social development and to the, to the government, we need to be more involved in how these contracts are drawn up and the expectation that you have. We need to have sit-downs and discuss ways that we can incorporate process again, that we can incorporate flexibility again, because at the moment the, the, the contracts are greatly hindering um, NGOs and funding only particular areas of work. So this question of when social workers would say, but the funding, it was often in reference to the ability to do community-based work or the ability to, to do work that was maybe a little more innovative or a little more different. DSD was primarily and still is primarily funding casework. And so social workers are limited. So I think that perhaps social workers need to begin to lobby for funding that is more macro-orientated and more collective, more community-based and become a little more innovative with the type of work that they do. Definitely. Oh, that's really encouraging. How have people responded to the work you've done? Um, the, the main response has been a sense of relief that what they are experiencing in their individual NGOs is not an isolated event a sense of relief that someone is recognizing that their hands are largely tied because there's been a lot of critique for social workers globally and in South Africa, you know, that they're not doing their jobs correctly. Um, and, and so there has been a sense of relief that someone, that they are, someone's recognizing the fact that they are actually doing the best that they can, but that there are broader issues that are, that are hindering them that needs to be addressed and to request that social workers do their jobs and then tackle this issue it's it's too much. Um, it's a big ask. Yes. So I think the idea that there are 
social workers in, in research and in academia who are fighting on their behalf, who are taking their voices to the forefront, I, I found the general response was, was a sense of relief that they were finally being able to speak about this, you know? Definitely. All right. Well, even um, just listening to you speak as a from my own perspective, I'm like, wow, it's just mm-hmm. great to hear someone having discovered this without me needing to say it because it was it was my own experience. So it's really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Have you any thoughts on young social workers coming into the space of, I want to almost say, turmoiled space where funding is a big issue and people are needing jobs you know but just to comment on what's happening globally and and how that could affect young social workers coming into the profession so that that touches on one of the other themes that was in my results which is the deprofessionalization um and the fact is that because with neoliberalism everything is becoming about cost efficiency there has been this this growing trend where social workers are finding less and less employment opportunity and, and other professions such as social auxiliary workers, community development workers who are amazing and who have a significant role to play. But certainly there's a lot more funding and, and placement opportunities for these, for these professions. And the social profession is, is st- slowly starting to be left out. And it's quite sad and it's quite frightening because the the primary reason for this is purely that it's just more cost effective to employ some of these other professions or sometimes to even employ professions completely outside of the realm of, of social work and social developments. You know, you've, I spoke to a lot of social workers who were being managed by people whose skill and expertise was in business um, and who didn't understand social work at all. Um, And, and this was really challenging. So what I'm saying now does not sound very encouraging for young social workers, <laughs> but it's it's a reality check. And it's, it's I think that having this understanding when they go into the working world so that they are not completely shocked and, and don't enter this like, you know, state of depression, which I found a lot of the young social workers I was interviewing were in. They were just, they were not prepared. They weren't prepared for this at all. But then I also want to encourage young social workers to start to see their role as advocates. So you, as young social workers, you are coming in with a lot of energy and with a lot of excitement and passion. And it's quite a lot to ask, to ask social workers who have been around for a, for a while, who are tired and who, are, who have worked incredibly hard to ask them to now take up you know, this, this role of, of advocating for things to change. Um, and I, I, so I want to encourage young social workers to come in understanding that there are these challenges in our professional field and to begin from the get-go to, to embrace their right to, for advocacy and their right to resist and their right to say, it doesn't have to go on this way, it can be different. Um, and to start to be innovative, to start to look at social work approaches, things, traditional approaches like casework, start to step outside the box and critique it and go, in South Africa, does this current means of intervention work for us? Is it, is it helping the, service, the communities that we serve? Is it helping us as social workers in this current context? Do we need to think of a different way of approaching our profession? Um, I think this is really important. I think social work is at a point where it needs to evolve um, in order to stay relevant. And, and that might unfortunately be as a result of 
these economic policies that are outside of our control and it might not necessarily be fair, but it's the reality. Yeah, so I think I, that's, that's what I would encourage is for, for younger social workers to embrace innovation and start to, to step outside the box. Mm. No, I think it's a, a really strong take-home message is just, yeah, just to rethink the way we're relating to the world um, and the world of employment mm. and to see that these skills that social workers possess are transferable. So I like this idea of, of out the box because there are so many opportunities. Um, it's just for us to to reestablish what, what those could be and yeah, walk it out in the future. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if, if I may, yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm sure this is, this is something that all social workers know, but I just want to read the, the social work global definition again. And, and just in, um, in keeping with what you've just said about how social workers are able to go outside of the box, because at the end of the day, this definition sums up what it is that social work does or what we are responsible for. And, and when you look at it um, with fresh eyes, you kind of realize that, that the way, the traditional way that we've done social work is not necessarily required in order for us to still fulfill this mandate, that there are different ways that we can embrace this, this definition of, of our profession. Um, so it reads that social work is a practice-based profession. And for me, that means it's, it's active. It refers back to that process and it is an academic discipline. So again, it's involved in, in policy and research. And its aim is that it promotes social change and development, social cohesion, and the empowerment and liberation of people. Principles of social justice, human rights, collective responsibility, and respect for diversities are central to social work. Social work is underpinned by theories of social sciences, humanities, indigenous knowledge, and social work engages people and engages structures to address life challenges and to enhance well-being. And if you look at that, it's, it's so beautiful for me. I mean, I get emotional when I read that. Yeah, it's, it's such a piece, actually. Like yeah. You, yeah. you almost have to stop afterwards and, and breathe it in. Exactly. And it's, it allows for so much. Um, it allows for so much. And I think that social workers need to take courage in, in who we are and what we're capable of and be, be brave and be innovative in, in how we practice this definition. Absolutely. No, it's a, a really inspiring piece and, and nice to, in many ways, go back to the foundation and the fundamentals of the why behind mm -hmm. what we're actually doing. Exactly, yeah. So how do you foresee further research um, into this topic? I'm sure for many people, the concept of neoliberalism may be a new one. Um, so where do you see the, the opportunities for new avenues of research into this topic? So I think that there's a lot of research that is happening in the sphere of management and supervision, um, which is very much related to this. And I think that the research that I've seen from kind of young and up and coming researchers, people who are doing their, their masters and doctorates in social work, this is very much a focus in terms of, in terms of management and supervision. And what I've seen come out is the fact that there needs to be the separation between the management and the supervision role. Um, and that management at the moment is pushing out supervision. And, and this is then having a really 
really detrimental effect on social workers because they are losing, firstly, the mentorship from senior social workers and they are losing the ability to debrief. They are losing any space for what I've just referred to in terms of innovation or, or um, yeah. you know, brainstorming or trying something different or process. Um, and so I think the research is in, there are gaps in terms of what is the role of supervision and how does it possibly need to evolve to meet the challenges and to meet this current context that social workers find itself in and that perhaps supervision has maybe stagnated. And there's a reason that it's such a central part of social work. There's a reason that we are mandated to be supervised because social work is so complex and so broad. And if our supervisors and the supervision concept is not keeping up with how things are changing, then social workers are going to struggle. So I think that's an area for me where I feel that research really needs to engage is in this, is in this um, definition of, of supervision and, and how it needs to evolve. Um, and then I also think that social workers are going to become increasingly involved in policy formation. I think that it's starting to become a reality that we can't escape, that policy is tying our hands to such an extent um, that the ability for us to just accept accept policy and and be these sort of foot soldiers of government, it's becoming harder and harder for us to do as a profession. And I think that advocacy is going to come a, play a lot more of a central role in social work and social work research. Excellent. I think it's really um, speaks of how important it is for us to use the voices that we have um, collectively and individually mm-hmm. in our workspaces, um, in our research, in in our conversations every day, because that's where these discussions mm-hmm. begin, really. So any final thoughts on other social workers out there who may be wanting to tackle this idea of neoliberalism um, or to integrate it or to start a conversation? Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Um, So I think my closing thoughts would be an encouragement and an encouragement to begin to not be afraid to explore topics like economics and politics and socioeconomic policy these things that social workers often kind of shy away from, we are a lot more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And we have a right to be involved in economic debates. And and we have a right to equip ourselves with the knowledge to be involved in these debates because we do have something to offer and we have something to say. So my closing words would be to, to I mean, neoliberalism is just one side of the coin, there's, there's so much more out there. Um, so my encouragement would be to start to read and expand your, your knowledge beyond that of social work into other arenas, into economics, into sociology, into politics, because these are all interconnected at the end of the day. Um, and, and in doing so, you will likely stumble upon an area that you'll realize, aha, this is, this is it, this is what I need to be focusing on. Um, and it, it just expands the potential that social work has and social work research has, areas that we can get involved in. So that will be my encouragement. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time to speak to us on Relate Your Research today. And we'll Thanks, include Jess. the link to your doctorate and any other research outputs that you've had um, in the notes below for the listeners. Great. Thank you. Great. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye.